This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Age of Radio. You're listening to Texas History Lessons, a slow walk through Texas history made in Texas by a Texan for everyone, everywhere. Welcome to Texas History Lessons. I'm Michael, and this is part four of the series on the Texas cattle drives of 1866 to 1890. And in this episode, we're going to take a look at the actual trails that were used. Now, following the Civil War, there were several trails used in the decades afterwards to get Texas cattle to market. As the line of settlement moved westward, so did the trails. The major routes used between 1866 and 1890 included the Shawnee Trail, the Chisholm Trail, the Western Trail, and the Loving Goodnight Trail. Now, the Shawnee Trail led herds predominantly to Sedalia, Missouri, and it was replaced by the Chisholm Trail, which served as the dominant route for several years. And as the population grew about the Abilene area, the Western Trail became used more. Several Kansas towns thrived from the trade, and these include Abilene, Ellsworth, Wichita, Caldwell, and, of course, Dodge City, and these were the major destinations. And the Loving Goodnight Trail was used by cattlemen supplying ranches in the New Mexico and Colorado region. So let's start with the Shawnee Trail. In the spring of 1866, enterprising Texans attempted to get their cattle to market. About 250,000 head were driven, primarily, as I said, to Sedalia, Missouri. Sedalia was a terminus of the Missouri Pacific Railway. The cattlemen were not that successful, however. The drovers received heavy losses, meeting great opposition in the settled areas of eastern Kansas and western Missouri from farmers afraid of Texas cattle fever and angry at the possibility of having their crops trampled. The route was used in 1866 and 1867, and it was actually branched into an East Shawnee and a West Shawnee trail. The Shawnee ran from the southern and southwestern Texas ranges, passing Austin, Waco, and Dallas. Drovers kept the herds on the prairie to the edge of the post oak cross timbers. The herds crossed the Red River in Grayson County at Rock Bluff Crossing near Preston. 
After crossing the river, the cattle were in Choctaw country. The trail ran toward Boggy Depot, a settlement about 50 miles north of the Red River. Now there, the trail split apart at Boggy Depot just before crossing the Blue River. The eastern trail passed through timbered hill country in which Indians were actually gathering their own herds that had scattered during the war as well as attempting to resume farming. The Creek Council actually levied a tax of about 25 cents a head on cattle that passed through their lands following the Civil War. Some Creeks and Chickasaws in Indian Territory played an active role in the cattle business. They purchased cattle in Texas on a large scale, fattened them up on Indian Territory grasslands, and then sold them. Some Indian ranchmen were very successful. Now, the West Shawnee Trail traveled towards the site of present-day Sulphur, Oklahoma, then across the North Canadian River near Shawnee, north to the Arkansas River, then along the Arkansas River's western bank into Kansas. The West Shawnee Trail was less difficult than the East Shawnee Trail, on which cattlemen faced rougher country and steep banked streams, especially difficult to cross when the water level was high. The herds were still threatened, however, by difficult forage, angry agriculturalists, and other cattlemen of a lawless nature. One of the obstacles of the trail while passing through Indian territory were the Indians and other settlers who often charge a toll of beef or money for passage. Another problem of the Shawnee Trail was that it passed through eastern Kansas and western Missouri where farmers were very afraid of damage to their crops or the very real possibility of their livestock catching Texas fever. And they often sought to steal, stampede, or even destroy cattle that were passing by. Kansas and Missouri passed laws barring the entry of Texas cattle into the states. Bands of men waiting at the borders prevented entry. Now, due to the difficulties that they started facing in 1866, cattlemen started looking westward for a route. The emergence of a new trail to the west that reached up into Kansas, the Chisholm Trail, saw to the abandonment, mostly, of the Shawnee Trail. Joseph McCoy was a young cattle dealer from Illinois who was born December 21st, 1837, near Springfield. Now, following some discussions with a gentleman named Charles F. Gross, who had knowledge of the Texas cattle situation, and Colonel John J. Myers, a Texas drover, McCoy was encouraged to set up a new Texas Longhorn market. But he needed a place where the railroad could ship cattle and where angry farmers would not hinder the trail drivers. The Missouri Pacific Railroad refused to support McCoy's plan. After careful investigation, McCoy chose the town of Abilene, Kansas as the place to become a market and shipping point for cattle. He convinced the Kansas Pacific branch of the Union Pacific Railroad to build a hundred car switch there. He also negotiated for favorable shipping rates and commissions on the shipments. On June 18, 1866, McCoy purchased 250 acres on the northeast side of Abilene and began construction. By September 1st, McCoy had erected a shipping yard that could hold 1,000 head and enough pens and feedlots for thousands more. 
He'd also built a barn and office and installed 10-ton Fairbanks scales. A train of 40 cattle cars could be loaded in two hours. Continually thinking of things to make the site more attractive to cattlemen as well as new ways to increase his profits, McCoy erected a hotel, a livery stable, and a bank. The hotel, Drover's Cottage was the name, cost $15,000 to build. It was a three-story frame hotel with 40 to 50 rooms. He then began to publicize the town extensively. McCoy sent a rider by the name of W.W. Sugg South to divert herds towards Abilene. McCoy also started an advertising campaign to inform northern buyers that cattle would be at Abilene and informing Texans that buyers would be at Abilene. Now, some drovers had driven herds north without definite destination in 1867, hoping to find somewhere that would be acceptable to selling their cattle. Due to uncertainty of destination, many let their cattle graze in Indian territory. Sugg sought to divert these herds to Abilene. Supply would soon meet demand. Now, some settlers east of Abilene were opposed to the plan, but McCoy met with them and convinced them that the herds of Longhorns would actually be benevolent to them. The first cattle to reach the town were those of Smith, McCord, and Chandler, northern ranchers. Colonel O.W. Wheeler trailed the first herd from Texas, 2,400 Longhorns. The first shipment left Abilene on September 5, 1867. The drive that year was low because only a few cattlemen knew about Abilene at the time. In the next few years, the cattle would definitely increase in number. The path the herd followed to Abilene was the Chisholm Trail. Its main stem ran from the Rio Grande to Austin to Waco and through Fort Worth. Now, there were several feeder trails joining it from the east and west, and you can travel through Texas, and you'll see lots of places claiming to be a site of where the Chisholm Trail went by. And that's because pretty much anywhere could have been the beginning of the Chisholm Trail as long as they were headed towards the actual Chisholm Trail that was in Indian Territory. Now, the Chisholm Trail passed through Montague County, and drovers often bedded the cattle down for the night near Head of Elm on Buck Branch, which is now known as St. Joe, Texas. They often frequented Head of Elm Stonewall Saloon, which was erected in 1873, and they could purchase supplies there as well. In 1871, Head of Elm had seven stores, five groceries, one blacksmith shop, and a post office. The herds were then driven across the river at Red River Station, which was the last settlement until Kansas. It's located about eight miles north of modern-day Nocona. Red River Station was practically the last place to stock up on any needed supplies. Between 1868 and 1871 alone, more than one million cattle crossed the river there. It was a natural crossing used for many years in the past by Buffalo and Indians. Now, there's another site down the road a little bit known as Spanish Fort. People also crossed there. And both places still exist. Spanish Fort is still an unincorporated community where people do live. And Red River Station, I've visited the area, and there's not really hardly anything there. There is a cemetery, 
And if you know where to look, there's I think there's a historical marker marking the spot, but the town itself is non-existent. A tale was passed down that so many cattle would at times be crossing the river that cowboys could be seen walking across the cattle's backs like on logs. Another tale passed down concerns a colorful cattleman by the name of Shanghai Pierce. Now, you'll recall Shanghai Pierce as being somebody that Gus McRae often talked about early on in Larry McMurtry's great book about trail driving, Lonesome Dove. Pierce was a real person, and he reportedly had a herd waiting to cross at Red River Station when a Texas taxman said Pierce had to pay a nickel per head to cross. According to the story, Pierce's men simply bound and gagged the man and left him in a plum thicket. By the time Old Lady Caldwell found him the next day, Pierce's men were safely across. The community was surveyed in 1870, and by the mid-1870s, it had a population of 250 to 300 people. It had several stores, a post office, two blacksmiths, a gunsmith, and at least one hotel, Molly Loves. Two general stores, cafes, a hardware store, several saloons, bootmakers, and other businesses seeking to cater to the drover's needs. The main crossing was below Fleetwood Branch and above Salt Creek at the point where the river bends northwards. At this location, the current is forced against the south bank, freeing the narrow channel of quicksand. The exact crossing point changed as the channel changed from heavy rains. Brand inspectors were stationed a few miles from the station. A chain ferry began operation there in 1870. Before then, a raft was in use. Several people were carried from Indian Territory to be buried along with many men who died on the trail. Now, once you cross at Red River Station, it took an average of 35 days to travel to the Kansas cattle towns. Now, if you look at a map, you'll see that the Chisholm Trail ran much farther west of the Shawnee Trail through thinly settled sections of Indian Territory and Kansas. The Chisholm Trail was roughly parallel to the 98th Meridian. Edwin McReynolds wrote that the route runs parallel to the present-day Rock Island Railroad through Warica, Duncan, Chickasha, El Reno, Kingfisher, Enid, Medford, and Caldwell, Kansas. Many herds gained weight on the drive, while crossing the Cheyenne and Arapaho Reservation and the Cherokee Outlet. The route took its name from Jesse Chisholm. Chisholm was born in Tennessee in 1805 or 1806. His mother was a Cherokee and his father was of Scotch descent. Now, Chisholm is an exciting character and we're going to learn a lot about him in early Texas history. He wasn't just a guy that laid out a trail. He was very active in Texas also during the 1830s. But we'll get to that in the Texas history lessons. Chisholm traveled west with the Cherokees as a youth to northwestern Arkansas, and he later became a trader and an interpreter, and he could speak several Indian languages. He set up a trading post at Council Grove on the North Canadian River, and he later established a post at the mouth of the Little Arkansas. Sometime around 1864, Chisholm drove his wagons of trading goods south to his old trading post at Council Grove on the North Canadian. And in the spring of 1865, Chisholm rode north again with cattle, robes, and furs. He used the route regularly until he died in 1868. The ruts of his wagon wheels became a regularly followed route and bore his name. 
By the time Chisholm died in 1868, his name was already beginning to be used in reference to a trail much longer than the one he blazed. It remained in use for the cattle drives on into the 1880s. And now, let's take a break and thank Age of Radio for hosting Texas History Lessons, and we're going to move on and look at the Western Trail and the Loving Goodnight Trail. Okay, the Great Western Trail was used mostly from 1874 to 1890, and it connected Texas ranches with Dodge City, Kansas, and Oglala, Nebraska. Edwin McReynolds describes the route. It ran north from Vernon to Doan's store on Red River, where it crossed into Greer County, claimed by Texas for many years under an erroneous interpretation of the Adams-O'Neill Treaty of 1819, across Greer County to the south of North Fork, through the Kiowa-Comanche Reservation and into Cheyenne and Arapaho lands, north past the site of modern Elk City, then by Camargo on the South Canadian, and then by Woodward on the North Canadian, and the trail bore to the northwest across the Cherokee Outlet and to Dodge City in Kansas. Now, remember John T. Little? This trail was blazed by him in 1874. Cattlemen repeatedly requested protection on the trails from Indian depredations, and in 1872, Colonel Ranald S. McKenzie had been ordered to provide herds with suitable escorts. John T. Little, apparently aware of these orders, drove 3,000 head of cattle from San Antonio to McKenzie's headquarters at Fort Griffin, Texas in 1874. Little wanted an escort through Indian Territory. McKenzie would spare no men, however, but did set up a civilian scout to accompany Little. Little decided to push the herd north despite danger. This journey to Dodge City, Kansas, blazed the western trail, and several drovers began to use it as an alternative to the Chisholm Trail. Now, everybody's heard of the Loving Goodnight Trail, of course. It was used from 1867 to 1890. And, as I said earlier, Larry McMurtry used Loving and Goodnight as source material for the story of Gus and Call in Lonesome Dove. Now, in 1866, Oliver Loving and Charles Goodnight they teamed up to trail a herd of 2,000 cattle from the Brazos to New Mexico. Loving and Goodnight, with 18 armed men wanting to avoid the Comanches and Kiowas, followed a less-than-direct route to northern New Mexico. They traveled westward to the Pecos River, then northwest through the desolate Pecos Valley. They lost 300 cattle on the way, but found a market for the steers at Fort Sumner in eastern New Mexico. Loving trailed the remaining seven to 800 cows and calves to sell in Denver. In the Rocky Mountains, cattlemen could find a market among the mining communities. Loving and Goodnight trailed another 2,000 head in 1867. This time, Loving died near Fort Sumner from wounds suffered during an Indian attack. Many more Texas cattlemen, such as John S. Chisholm, who originally lived near Bolivar in Denton County, Texas, if you remember from an earlier episode, he followed the Loving Goodnight route to New Mexico and expanded the ranching frontier. And as an aside, of course, a lot of you will know Chisholm from the stories of Billy the Kid. And let's end this episode right about there. How? Do, why not? And in the next episode, we're going to look at Native Americans and the cattle drives. Thanks to everybody that's listening. 
Thanks to my Patreon supporters, Ron, JK, Brenda, Tim, Josh, Johnny, and the newest supporter, Rayma, for your support on Patreon. Your generosity is of great assistance in bringing these episodes to you. Remember to check out Wild West Extravaganza podcast, History Cafe podcast, and Hymns from the Highway podcast, as well as the 99th episode podcast. We're going to end this episode with another song by the great Texas History Lesson Spotlight artist Mondo Salas. And let's do the new song he shared with us, Old Dogs. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Be kind. Adios. It's the water in the rivers were to dry. Would you take me in the worthy The angels hardly made it in the Come from a kind There's never been nobody And we keep trying to live But all we find Is hard times And old dogs The day these old dogs quit Sometimes I've been bearing the miles without giving in For you I'll go until my I don't